Hi, I'm Erin. And I'm Kimona. And this is Rebels Advocate, the podcast where we break down the shit show that is the current social climate and reframe the radical. Let's get started. Hi, Erin. Hi, Kimona. How are you? <laughs> it was a nice long pause. <laughs> I, okay. At the beginning, when you clicked record, I first, like, I immediately started thinking about the millennial pause, and I was like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> so then my brain was in millennial pause mode, and I was like, but we don't need it. But it's what my brain does. But I'm not a millennial, so there's also that layer. You don't consider yourself a millennial? Well, okay. So I know we're cuspers. I... I don't know. I go back and forth because like as the eldest child, I feel like I became a millennial by aging myself up just because I I got I have babies not to take care of, but like to be a role model for. So I was like, I'm an adult. Yeah. I'm I'm just very much personality-wise and like what I grew up with as a child and exposed to just far more leaning of millennial mm. and anytime you do like like anytime there's quizzes or like do you remember this millennials or things that like compare millennials to gen z i almost always exclusively fall on the millennial side and people always refer to me that they're like yeah you don't fit in with us in terms of gen z and people who are more millennial are like yeah you you belong over here including my younger brother who's only two years difference but interesting it's a i I think it's just personality yeah personality and like i mean i'm the oldest too but i was like very much not raised in the like new technology type of household so even if things were available, I didn't get them till much later. If that makes sense. No, no, I feel that. Yeah, I I, I don't want to say we were a technology household, but like low-key we were. We were. We were all up, I was all up in that. But at the same time, like, no, you know what is the thing that really makes me think maybe it like my heart wanted to be a millennial. It's the fact that I would watch, like, the original Degrassi. Yeah. Well, the original Degrassi's even, don't say that, because the original Degrassi is literally, like, my mom watched the original Degrassi when she was a teenager. You're telling me the one before Drake? Yeah, Drake is not the original Degrassi. What? That show's existed forever in Canada. You are blowing my mind right now. Yup. That's <laughs> I also well, I also watched Drake Degrassi. Yeah, but I like yeah, I would sneak to watch it particularly because my mom was like, You should not be watching this and I was like, But I want to. I'm a teenager, meh. I wasn't a teenager, technically. Oh yeah, I watched it young. But oh well. There you go. Yeah, I think it's a person. I think a lot of cuspy people can fall either way, depending. And I, you know me, I'm not like as social media forward and like I can be kind of behind the times. 
so it fits. It fits. Okay. It's not cool enough to be Gen Z. That's what it comes down to. Yep. <laughs> Gen Z is just so cool. Kind <laughs> of. Kind I of. Listen, my little brother, very Gen Z, looks at me and is like, why are you so cringe? Literally, like, so I guess... Yeah, I've been referred to as Chugi many a time. <gasps> not Chugi. And Chugi's not even, like, even saying that isn't even cool anymore. Right. Like, that's even behind the times now. Exactly. All right. Enough of this nonsense. Let's talk about current events. <laughs> because that's far more relevant to the rebellion here. <laughs> um, on Rebels Advocate Podcast. Absolutely. Yeah, all generations are welcome to be rebels. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Not I guess. Gatekeep girl boss. Um, Yeah, so this has been a week. It's Mm -hmm. been a week, a couple of weeks, but like so much has happened that I feel like even if we were like going to start talking like down the route of like, some of the concessions and Iran from the um, from the protests like that's already like old news comparatively to this week, uh, and usually we record like far ahead of time, so this is actually going to be topical since it'll be released this week because we were behind on recording. I had to flee my apartment. <laughs> COVID lives. Yeah, we still like remember that. In a pandemic, but you know, For that's real. on the back burner in this in this new cycle, though. Valid. These are very well. You know, we can claim these three main things all having to do with LGBTQ issues because the two individuals we're going to talk about are also queer, even though it's not. Like a queer issue per se. Mm-hmm. So, whatever. Um, let's just get right into it. So, I think the most prominent thing to discuss right now um, is Brittany Griner. She is finally back in the US, I believe, today. And today is the ninth. Um, yes. So, I believe she touched, touched down on American soil today. Um, and you've probably heard of Brittany over the course of the last year. Um, if you haven't, I don't believe you. <laughs> you've definitely seen her picture. I mean, it's also more front forward because Brittany Griner is famous. I mean, she's a professional basketball player and she was detained in Russia for the last 294 days. So almost a year. Um, and she was just released in the last day or so um in a virtually just a a prisoner swap is what people are colloquially saying in the headlines um so basically the u.s traded Brittany (laughs) for a russians arms dealer um so that was negotiated Uh, There's a lot of controversy around that um, in terms of like people who think it's a good deal and a bad deal and 
whatever. Uh, at the end of the day, I think it's heinous how long this has taken. It's almost been a full year that Brittany has been detained in a foreign country that has serious implications uh, in the world right now. And it's just unacceptable. So I think it's really essential that she's home kind of at any cost. Um, And just as like a frame of reference, she was on February 17th. So that would be a full, a full year. So February 17th of 2022. um, And when she was detained and she was then sentenced, I don't think until like May. Um, but don't fact me, check me on that because I don't have the date written down, but um, to nine years in uh, Russian detention centers. And her crime was having, um, she had vape cartridges in her luggage when she was trying to come back to the U S um, from Russia. And those, Vape cartridges had hashish oil, um, which is illegal in the country. Um, But yeah, so as you may have seen in the beginning, I know I had. um, It was really vague when she was first detained. It was just like, oh, she has drugs in another country. And, you know, then your first reaction is like, well, you know better than that. Like, of course, you're going to get in trouble, blah, 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 blah. But for something so minute um, and like barely holding any illegal substance, trying to go back into a country where it's legal, it's just unfathomable um, or unfortunately very fathomable, uh, but unacceptable nonetheless. And then this has really just progressed over the course of the last nearly 300 days as not Russian government using this as like, oh, this is a criminal. We need to detain them. This was clearly a political pawn um, in times where you have to remember that like since this, since she was detained, that Russia has invaded Ukraine and all of these things are happening simultaneously. Biden had released a statement referring to Putin as a war criminal Um and again, Brittany is a celebrity here. She's she's important. Um, and I, we have to consider that with some weight, again, in the political pawn conversation um, rather than a lay person. So I think that's a different conversation, just like how this would have been handled if it would have been handled, if they would have even detained a lay person the same way. Um if all these pieces hadn't fallen into place the way it did. Yeah. And that's a really interesting point that I haven't even considered. Like it's very, and I've started to see this conversation as the immediate responses have started to settle um, about, you know, how Russia may be doing some intentional jailing of American citizens in order to be able to use them as political pawns, which I'm like, Ooh, that's scary. Maybe we should stop going to Russia for a second. Um, just, just in general, but on the, on the note of the kind of reception on the American soil side of Brittany being released, being taken back home. 
uh, it's been really interesting watching how, and like particularly the far right side of the internet, has decided that uh, this can't be possibly a good thing. She wasn't even there a whole year. There's a, a Marine who, a former Marine who's been in uh, Russian prison for however long. I tried to look up the exact time and I... I can't seem to find it, but he was sentenced for 16 years um, and he's still there. But I did watch a bit of Biden's like speech for what, when they were talking about Brittany coming home and I'm not saying we need to, we should take everything a politician says to be truth. However, he did bring up that, that Paul Whelan who is being held still was being treated as a different situation by the Russian government. Now, who knows how much truth is there, but I wouldn't be surprised if Russia was trying to use that as something. But, you know, all speculation. But I do think it's really interesting to look at how people are, like, so angry. Like, how dare, how dare a queer Black woman be freed from an unjust sentence it's wild to me but like wild in the fact that it shouldn't happen there shouldn't be this outrage not wild in the fact that you know this is unfortunately the reality of queer black women in america this is we are often told like oh you're disposable and that's that's the vibes that I, I've been getting a lot from certain corners of the internet, which I try to avoid. I try to avoid these corners of the internet, but, you know, with the Twitter takeover, it's gotten harder. I mean, that same messaging, though, is relevant in you know, the other side of the same conversation mm-hmm. in that anyone who's praising... American government, Biden, American politicians for bringing Brittany home is also kind of losing the point because the advocacy work that Brittany's wife has done to get Brittany home, to not let this conversation die down, especially because, I mean, when this first, like this first half of this experience like what I heard of it when it first happened Mm -hmm. but like the first half I would say I had no idea how minute the situation was in which she was being detained and the severity of which her there's got to be a better word for it I don't know what the right grammar is but of her being detained was and I would say that a lot of the reason that Brittany is home right now is thanks to her black queer wife. Mm -hmm. And it's frustrating to think again to that sentiment of like how much responsibility is put on the American people and like individuals to make big changes happen. Like that can go into something we're going to talk about a little bit in a little bit of just like big changes don't happen until we're literally like, begging and dying and even then doesn't matter especially when we're talking about marginalized communities and many of these conversations that we're having of these topical events like I said like this wasn't purposefully like let's think about queer 
events going on right now, but all fall into that relevancy of like how LGBTQ lives matter here and how we're treated differently in all aspects of the conversation. And of course, when we're talking about Brittany and Brittany's wife, we're also adding into the equation blackness. And that is definitely necessary to be accounted for into how things happen. Because, you know, we can think of it like in different contexts of like, what if Brittany wasn't an athlete? What if, what if she wasn't famous? Then what would have happened? What if Brittany had been white? Mm. Then what would have happened? What if, you know, like the what ifs can keep going on and on and on of how things could have been better or worse. And it's just, I think, necessary to like see all identities and how that affects a situation like this. Intersectionality, baby. It's important in every conversation. Unless you have something specific about Brittany, I think that that end of conversation we can just turn into um, what's been going on in terms of gay rights and the protection of gay marriage. Um, And yeah, so that's relevant um, and happening right now. And I think it's interesting um, because obviously there's lots of GOP outrage and, you know, there's also that video going around of um, the representative from Missouri, a Republican, literally crying (laughs) while like um, pleading to Congress to not allow gay marriage and I think the the verbiage that's going around on like Instagram and Twitter and stuff of like I'm sorry we're the snowflakes the liberals are the snowflakes and you're gonna cry (laughs) truly like I can't I just need us all to take a moment and really recognize that this representative really started crying because gay people want to get married (laughs) exist gay people exist like Huh? Like this is what like I I am surprised that my brain still finds things hard to comprehend from like the right, but like it it really does because this is just wild to me. It's so wild that it is hilarious, but at the same time so very frightening because it's it's a, almost a bit of like a a reflection of the state of what it means to be queer in America right now. But think about this too. This representative is a white woman. We can Mm -hmm. see in so many contexts how powerful white women tears are in harming people of marginalized identities. So it is scary. It is funny in the sense that like, oh my God, I can't believe this happened. And it's funny because it, it didn't work. Like the right is protected. But It's not funny because we've seen in a million different ways and also just think of like the tiny window in which we see things in which it really happens that white tears, white women tears is usually how it's, how it's discussed more colloquially, but like that's powerful and not in a good way. Yeah. It's, and that's definitely what I'm getting at when I say it's scary because we've, 
been seeing this trend, and we've talked a bit about it before, um, particularly when we're talking about protecting LGBTQ plus youth, like we see these trends across states of people wanting to strip away not only the right to marriage, but just the right for queer people to exist, the right for trans kids to get gender affirming care, the right for heck even trans. I said heck like I was trying to censor myself, and I just that was not. No, on sometimes heck, sometimes heck feels like the right word though. <laughs> like like it, darn, darn and dang and gosh, sometimes are the right word, but you don't have to censor yourself. It was, I don't know. I oh, my brain is all over the place. She's a little brain's a little fried today, but it's fine. Um, but yeah, we've seen this trend, and so watching it, like we know it's there. We know it's in Congress. You know, we we have our people who we see always talking about how they don't believe that we should be allowed to live lives as good as them. How they want to create a world where. LGBTQ plus people are second class citizens. Um, but having it, you know, circulate like that, it's, and, and everyone's first reaction, of course, is going to be to laugh because we're like, haha, that's so funny. And especially when, you know, we live in, in New York, we're on the East Coast where, you know, generally things are pretty left leaning. Right. Like we're, we're safer. Right. So it feels safer to laugh. And at the same time, it also feels like, we kind of have to laugh because otherwise you're forced to really sit with that reality. And it is scary. It is scary. The times that we're living in, like, I'm not going to pretend like I am, was not afraid about the future of marriage. We saw them overturn Roe. Like they, they fucking did that. And that's terrifying. And I, yeah, we've seen that in, unfold in so many contexts. And we talked that, about that a little bit with like, Elon Musk and Trump like oh it seems so funny that these people like make these big claims and think they're gonna run for president and do this stuff but like we've seen and we'll keep seeing that these things can happen and it's dangerous and it's scary um and you know I do I do agree with the like laughing through pain that's I mean I have a dark sense of humor and I I think I mean I'm kind of notorious to like laughing through trauma like if you're gonna hear me ex- like overshare a traumatic experience 99% chance that I'm like laughing about it and people are like wait is this serious or like why are you laughing <laughs> but I think that's common for people who experience trauma or hold marginalized identities and things that like it is scary to exist and we can't live in fear constantly that's just not fair and not a way to live life you know radical joy and radical acceptance of ourselves is something that's going to push us forward and keep us going to make these radical changes. Um, One thing that I've seen that I think is really important in this conversation is I saw this great, um, it was from TikTok, obviously. uh, And it was one of my favorite TikTokers, my queer New York born and raised Dutch. Um, his account is like Dutch D-E-C-C-C, I think. He's got millions of followers. Um, he's the best. And he had said something about like people had asked him like, oh, aren't you so happy? And he's like, fuck no. Like what? 
And he's like, yes, they're all shocked that I'm not happy about this. And he he used an, uh, an analogy of like, if you were a kid at a playground and everyone was playing with trucks and some other kid took your truck and you went to the teacher and were like, I don't have any truck and everyone else has a truck. And the teacher was like, well, you can go have those sticks over there. Like, play with that. And he's like, no, everyone else has a truck. I want my truck back. Like, and then only at the point of which all the other kids are like, hey, no, it isn't fair that he doesn't have a truck. Teacher, teacher, like all the other kids saying that the kids should have the same thing. Um, and then the teacher gently nudges the child to maybe, maybe you should give the truck back and somehow like fighting for your own advocating for yourself and then the support of the other kids like you get your truck back and the teacher's like see now you should say thank you thank you for giving me my truck back and I thought that was a great analogy because you can see like when you talk in forms of children you can see how clear it is when something's unjust mm -hmm. it's it's unfair um and I like too that he like referred to the teacher as like the distributor of equity and like maintaining equity in this situation and I thought it was such a truth of like us as queer people, like we should thank you. We should thank the government. We should thank the politicians for giving us something that we're inherently allowed to have, something that you took away from us. Um, we should thank you for that. And I thought that that was really powerful. And also like a lot of the comments had also been, on people being like yes and all of the kids like things are only get done when all the kids that already have the equality like when they stand up for us and enough people pressure and I was like that's such a truth of like we talk about it all the time of like elevating your white privilege to help people of mm -hmm. color and you know queer people need the help of straight people to get things done because the people who have these privileges and innate power by being cishet white men or whatever it is specifically in that scenario that's what gets change done um and he finished the video by saying like i'm not thankful to the government i'm thankful to all of the queer icons and amazing queer and trans people that have gotten us to where we are and i'm like yes exactly that's the truth and if you are not queer and you're seeing like not a lot about this and like not lots of like queer people posting like, yes, love is love. We win for us. I don't know. Like, I think a lot of us are feeling in the same way as Dutch was explaining of like, yeah, this should be a given. I'm not celebrating this. Like, obviously it's a win and we're happy we have the right to marry, but the sentiment still stands of like, that shouldn't be in question in the first place. And I don't want to thank the people who took it from me. You know, I, I hope, I hope that aligns for everyone because I think that's really powerful, especially, and like really fits in the structure of any injustice and restorative justice aspects and, you know, redistributing equity amongst people. And I think there's, there's another part to me that, for Congress to be passing things like protections of gay marriage, enshrining things into law, 
right after they failed to do that with Roe and then let it be struck down by the Supreme Court, it just doesn't, it doesn't resonate as much. It's like, you did this, why? Like, I understand, like, why, you know, from the, like, things should be codified because then it's blah, 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 harder to get rid of, blah, 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 blah. But, like, that rallying cry, that, that, like, passion behind things and, like, feeling like things are being done for the right reason, it's just not there anymore. And then maybe that's just the whole disillusionment with the way our government functions at all, which I think, I, I don't think I'd be alone in feeling. But no, not at all. Yeah. It, it I just, think that echoes a lot of conversations that we have, mm-hmm. especially when talking about things that are topical and very current. Yeah. So that's just, that's just another approach. That's like the first thing that hit me. I was like, yeah, but you failed us elsewhere. And like the overturn, like it's not a tiny failure, you know, like that's no. a big thing. You keep doing these big failures and then you give us these little crumbs of, yeah something and, and expect like this to be overjoyed and to that same sentiment it's like okay it's almost like distractibility of like okay mm. so this is going on like oh this is happening at a federal level like let's look over here let's look over here when states are implementing all of these laws like what you were saying earlier about like trans and queer youth like what's affecting them from such like simple things as like where they can go to the bathroom playing on school sports teams going to school being able to talk about like to use your pronouns to being outed like there's so many things that are impacting the queer youth of the country and you know these are the and it always makes me so mad because like you always hear so much rhetoric from like the right-wing conservatives and like GOP about like protecting children and they always try to use these big sweeping things of like, well, you shouldn't go to drag shows because they're groomers. And they always talk about like, I, I know I brought it up before, like this whole like disillusionment conspiracy theory of Pizzagate. And like, they always make mm. these gross, um, I don't know if they're the right word, um, but these conspiracy theories of like, people are harming our children, but then don't, care about the laws and regulations impacting children and their safety and you know it's it's clear as always that like we use that verbiage of like pro-lifers sure what about the lives that are already here you don't care when those are marginalized identities you don't Mm -hmm. and that is always like the root for me that like causes me so much rage um because nothing is worse than harming children and the fact that they can use that same like sweeping judgments of like claiming our us as in like liberals um our positive changes are more inclusive conversations um like oh being inclusive is what you have a problem with (laughs) so yeah. And I mean, we could see that too in like specific, um, like a minor thing, not minor, serious thing, but like minor in the news circuit. If so, some people are discussing amongst the queer community is Ted Cruz um, 
who we know him and his family like are very anti-LGBTQ, very conservative uh, politician and family. And he has a daughter who's only 14 and bravely publicly came out as bisexual. And that in in that context at that age, so fucking brave. And mm-hmm. that's not as new. I mean, it's still more recent, but I mean, they're only 14 years old. But they there's been some news headlines regarding their safety and that um they were taken to the hospital for self-harm injuries recently and it's purely speculation on the account of like suicidal ideation and like if this was a suicide attempt and like obviously people who can get carried away on like the left side of the media to like mm-hmm. blame her father and blame it on her sexuality and this that and the other thing um and i think it's really important to remember that like in those conversations that this is a child and you should not be speculating and like making these gross assumptions about their life and like talking and gossiping about them. Um, I've seen like that they have denied that it was a suicide attempt, but like, I think it's also important to note that that might not be the truth, but they claimed that they do have mental health issues that they're struggling with and seeking help for. And I think that's, what's important is that this is a kid who is growing up in a family that doesn't support a major part of their identity. um, And they likely don't align with a lot of similar beliefs and that that's really, really hard for anybody, let alone a child. Um, And that's going to impact your mental health. So I think it's just a testament to like how much kids are struggling right now with the laws that are going on with the rhetoric that's going on. And I think that was something too of like what you're saying about like us being more protected in New York. Like if you're from a Southern state or from families that are more religious or political and conservative and, you know, this is jeopardizing children's safety within their own homes. So I think that's important to note too. Yeah. And it breaks my heart to just think about it. And I, It breaks my heart and at the same time fills me with such rage at all of the people who out here who are out here claiming that they are fighting to protect our kids and protecting the children when the 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 quote unquote work that they are doing is truly just bringing harm to so many LGBTQ plus youth. Who are already at higher risks of suicidality, self-harm. Like, regardless if this was this poor child had a suicide attempt, they did engage in self-harm. And that is not, and like, are outwardly saying that they have mental health issues. And that is a serious concern. And it's just, and seeing how, I mean, I guess I haven't really seen the media, like, I haven't seen any like particular outlets pick this up as much, um, which is yeah. I actually haven't seen it at all from like the media lens. I've only seen it being talked about from the perspective of like queer advocacy work, like on Twitter mm. and 
TikTok of people being like, hello, this is a kid crying for help. And like, it would be strange to assume that a lot of the things that are going on in the world um, for queer children is not impacting this child's mental health, especially when their parent is a politician who is openly (laughs) anti-LGBTQ. Like, it's already hard being the child of just a politician, period. It's already hard being a damn child. (laughs) This is so true, especially in this day and age. And this, like, is maybe a bit of a tangent that could be its whole other conversation. We love a tangent on this podcast. Right? Don't we? We, But we (laughs) have to remember that, like, like, young people today have the entire world at their fingertips. So they are not shielded from what is going on around them. They are fully aware that there are people out there attacking their their identities, whether they have publicly declared them or not. They see like the 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 gun violence all across the nation. They they see all of these things. They are aware of them. They are living through it. They are living and through they see the that climate crisis. Don't care. Exactly. So, and I would, I, I mean, I would argue that even. Like, and I, I hope that, you know, this child is getting every ounce of care and, and love that they need. But it's just like, I, I feel like it speaks so much to the broader state of our children. Absolutely. Like, this is, it's just like a pinpoint of like, this is a publicly known situation, mm-hmm. but that is just a cascade of like, what else is going on in our country and for children that don't have support and maybe someone that wouldn't come take them to the hospital, you know, I think that's a really good point. And it's just something that I've been thinking about a lot. And you know, you know how much I'm a, I'm a person that loves children and I believe that they are the future, that we should be doing everything we can to uplift them. And just I believe see- the children are our future. <laughs> Mm. I can't. I li- like. I cannot hear that sentence without immediately going into Amen. the song. <laughs> uh, it's this, too good. It's a bop. This episode just becomes you singing. I love it. All right. I don't but, know the rest of the words, but I'll sing that's it. okay. I don't know the words to literally anything. <laughs> Something like the way. Let them lead the way. Yes. Sing it, Aaron. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> But yeah, so it's just, you know, whenever we have these conversations, that's that's where I ultimately come back to thinking about. And especially when we're having conversations about queer youth who, who are struggling. Like, I think about all of these things happening in the world and and the way that people are responding to stories like, like Britney's or the way that we're all kind of like feeling disillusioned by the protection of gay marriage. Like, I can only imagine what our young people are feeling. Yeah. Especially, you know, in conversations of like children who hold marginalized identities, I think mm-hmm. hi- highlights of situations like this, you know, could be very isolating in their experience of like, well, if is this is happening to them, what does that mean for me? Um, and I think that was a really beautiful way of summing up like how these things are all relevant to not just like current events in the grand scheme of like what we're witnessing right now and like what it is to be an American, but like to be an American child, like what they need to cope with now to 
be the future, to be the people that make decisions. Like I can only hope that like as our generations, like as the millennials and eventually Gen Z, like now that there's like literally even Gen Z people like being elected to political offices, that we see some of this radical change that has happened in youth and that that can hopefully we see some of like that rebel mentality kind of spreading through not just like what we see on social media and these great corners of the internet and like our people here but as a broader system Absolutely. That's that. That's that. I was trying to think of a way to like say like the future is rebel children, but it didn't work. That doesn't that comes off weird. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, kids kids pay attention to that stuff. Like mm-hmm. even in their media, like movies and stuff. That's why representation matters, seeing girls and characters that hold other minority identities like in superheroes and in Mm -hmm. other contexts of like seeing themselves like having that burning passion that we've had since we were kids of how do we change the world when we're older and Mm -hmm. we want to light that fire in them so that they can be better versions of us absolutely yeah the rebellion this is only the beginning we can be the old ones in the end. I want I want the rebellion to go on forever. Until we have a perfect society. <laughs> okay. I don't think that's ever going to happen. A more I don't perfect union. There's something. I don't know. But. So lots of things going on in the world this week. Um or this past two weeks, I don't know, whatever the measurement of time is. Um, Jesus. But if you'd like to stay in touch with us, uh, you could um, maybe consider becoming a Patreon. It's all I want for Christmas. (laughs) Remember, a whole year's worth of Patreon could be less than buying us a cocktail. We have lots of more people joining, lots of more, lots more people joining us, and I'm super happy about it. And... You know, since we moved to this bi-weekly schedule, uh, bi-weekly schedule of episodes, we're still putting out weekly content in terms of our newsletters, and our newsletters are pretty topical. So, you know, if two weeks passed and we don't know what to talk about or when we recorded, it's not as relevant. It could still be happening in our discussion boards and newsletters. So, you definitely want to be a part of that. Less than a dollar a month, and you get lots and lots of stuff. It's a great place. You should join us. I'm waiting for the day that we have our little, just like Rebels fam, our little Rebels community, all all up on Patreon, and we can just, you know, have a good time. We could kiki. We could do whatever. <laughs> join us. <laughs> I'm here for it. Um, yeah, and all the other interweb places, you know, our website is where we keep our show notes and resources. So some articles that we uh, got information of anytime we reference like TikTokers, we try to include their handles. Um, so you can check out our website for that. And as always, that's also a, f- a form of communication with us. Um, 
there's contact forms there as well. But we'd much rather you be on Patreon or Instagram so we can talk to you directly. But whatever. Do what you must. So let's, you know, just kick off the holiday season by treating yourself and your favorite podcasters and joining us over there. But we love you lots and we're glad that we can have this safe space on the internet where we can talk about what's going on and how it impacts us and others. And we are so happy to be doing this with you. Um, Yeah, I will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.